0: Right now, we're going to focus for just a few minutes on one particular episode there at the cross, and we're going to be reading Luke 23, 39 through 43. So let's listen together to God's holy and infallible word. Jesus at this point is on the cross. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. "'Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us.' But the other criminal rebuked him. "'Don't you fear God,' he said, "'since you are under the same sentence? "'We are punished justly, "'for we are getting what our deeds deserve. "'But this man has done nothing wrong.'" And then he said, "'Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom.'" And Jesus answered him, "'I tell you the truth, "'today you will be with me in paradise.'" The last couple of Sunday nights, we've been preparing for Good Friday in a special way as a church by looking at people who encountered Jesus and were changed. Uh, The two criminals we read about tonight, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that they were robbers. They may have been the last people to have an encounter with Jesus before he died. Can you imagine that? We, we we talk about the seven words of the cross, seven things that the gospels tell us Jesus said while he hung on the cross. Four of those words were spoken directly to the Father. The other three words were spoken to people. One of those was I thirst. So there really wasn't a whole lot of interaction there. He said, I thirst, presumably, to someone near the cross. Another encounter with someone on the cross was when he spoke to John and to his mother Mary. And then the third encounter with people on the cross is what we read. We don't know exactly the order of those three encounters with people while he was on the cross, but... The conversation we read was one of the very last, perhaps the last one that Jesus had before he took his final breath. This meeting, this encounter, this conversation is pretty astounding and it's very instructive for us as we worship here tonight in the shadow of the cross. First of all, this encounter is reminds all of us that there is no middle ground when it comes to Jesus. We talked about this just this past Sunday morning. You either oppose Jesus or you accept him. Sometimes people are in process in their life of either coming to know Jesus or rejecting Jesus. So it can be hard sometimes to tell in a particular person's life, where exactly they are, but when it comes down to it, conversion or persecution, receiving Jesus or opposing Jesus, those are the only two options in your life. People are either on the path to heaven or to hell. There is no other eternal destination than those two. The two thieves are a picture of those two roads that everyone faces. The one criminal hurled insults at our Savior as the beatitude on persecution tells us will happen against the righteous. Well, it happened to the perfectly righteous one, our Savior Jesus too. But the second criminal believed in him. There is no middle ground when it comes to Jesus. And so we want to be sure tonight that we are trusting in him and that our lives reflect that we are unambiguously following Jesus because you can't have it both ways. And and so we turn to Jesus tonight again so that we might be walking his road, his path, The path of life. Second, this encounter reveals a profound awareness of the way of salvation. This thief, this criminal of all people gives us a beautiful summary of how we're saved. He rebukes that first thief and says, Don't you get it, man? We are guilty. We deserve to be hanging here. And you know, that's true of all of us in our sin. We deserve punishment. But then the criminal says, But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And it's true. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is not guilty. And yet, he went to the cross for the guilty ones. And then he said to Jesus, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. God remembers his people all throughout Scripture. God's remembering isn't nostalgia, it's not just thinking back in time. God's remembering is covenant remembering that is, calling things to mind in order to do something, in order to act. God remembers by calling to mind all of his promises, and then he acts. He saves his people. Remember me is saying, save me, Jesus. Act on my behalf. I'm guilty. Be my advocate. Jesus says in response, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise And that is another great truth about our salvation. When we die, as our catechism says, our soul goes immediately to be with Jesus. When we die, we don't go to sleep. We don't hang out somewhere in some in-between place between this life and heaven. When believers die, we can be assured that we go right to heaven, right into the arms of Jesus because of what our Savior says right here to the thief on the cross. And all of this that, again, this thief of all people knows by God's grace, this is how salvation works for anybody. That's how it works for you, for your loved ones, for your neighbors. When we follow this way, we can be assured that we are saved. We recognize our guilt, our need. We recognize Jesus' perfect righteousness. We put our trust in Jesus. Lord, remember me, save me. And the promise of eternal life is ours. It's for anyone. It's for longtime church members. It's for criminals. The promise is for nice people. The promise is for mean people. Everybody. Something else astounding about this encounter. Third, this touching encounter with the thief encourages us to share the wonderful news of Jesus. You might not know about a little behind the scenes, off the radar, unofficial ministry here at Faith Church. You know about our children's ministries, our nurseries, children's church both during the service, Sunday school, Catechism, Gems, Cadets. But I think it was earlier this year, during the Sunday school hour, when the first graders on up to the 12th graders have their classes, a number of parents at Faith decided that they'd provide a little class, a little teaching time for the 3-, 4-, and 5-year-olds who don't have Sunday school. And they do that in one of our nurseries during the Sunday school hour. You can check it out. Uh, It happened to be Sarah's turn to teach these kids. that The parents just rotate. She taught the kids this past Sunday, and she used uh, a little children's Bible storybook to read the story of the cross, the crucifixion. One of these kids said, when they saw the picture, Why are there three crosses? Because, you know, we're talking about Jesus on the cross. Why are there three crosses? And Sarah explained that, well, the other two, they were criminals, and bad men were punished in those days in that way. And then came a very insightful follow-up question for a preschooler. Well, then why was Jesus put on a cross? And so Sarah explained in words that they could understand how he became sin who was not a sinner for us. Sharing the wonderful news of Jesus with these precious little ones. You know, that sort of thing is what it's all about, my friends. Our human tendency is to look for the world's visions and ideas of success for the church. The world is looking for the big stuff, the flashy stuff, but steady discipleship and sharing of Jesus person by person, that is where it's at. Just this morning in the Friday Morning Men's Bible Study, we talked about the kingdom of heaven being like a mustard seed. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like, says Jesus. It's the tiniest of seeds, the most unassuming of things you can imagine in nature, and yet it grows into one of the greatest of all the plants. Each child in our midst, each conversation we have with someone, little though that may seem to us, maybe to others, that's how the kingdom of our God grows and how it turns into great things for Jesus. This is what the church does. This is what we're doing in all sorts of ways together here. Planting the seeds, telling the good news, passing it along to the next generations and everyone around us that we meet, sowing the seed and praying to our God to bring the harvest. And he does bring the harvest. He's doing it all around us. One more thought I had tonight about this encounter of the thief on the cross with Jesus. This encounter gets at the very heart of the matter. It gets at what it all comes down to, and that's that we would meet Jesus. That we, like that thief, have met Jesus. It's really interesting, isn't it? This guy was not baptized He was not a member of the church. He never took Lord's Supper. But he met Jesus, and so he was saved. He didn't have time to have much of a prayer life. He didn't go to church every Sunday. He wouldn't have put a lot in the collection plate, maybe nothing at all. But he encountered Jesus, and that's God's grace. All of those other things are good and important even. But listen, we must never think about our faith as being the sum of all our spiritual activities. Did you hear that? We must not think of the faith as the sum of all of the spiritual activities we're doing. Our faith is about Jesus. Our faith is about meeting Jesus. It's possible to do all sorts of religious things and miss Jesus, as we're raising our children in the busyness of life, as we have our own personal devotions, as we worship in the church and serve and give back to the church, as we serve people in need, as we love everybody around us, as we make a difference for the Lord to the best of our ability with his strength in this world, the point of it all, is to have an encounter with Jesus. That's what matters. That's my prayer as a husband and as a father for my family. That's my, my prayer for each one of you. It's my, my prayer and desire for myself that, that we meet Jesus. And of course, sneak preview, we can meet Jesus because he rose again. He didn't, things didn't end there on the cross. He's alive. He's a well and so, may you encounter Jesus in a special way tonight, in worship, in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, and in all your living. May everything that we're about as a church, as a fellowship of believers, be for that purpose, that people meet Jesus, encountering Jesus as this <clears throat> as this thief did. It's what it's all about.